This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. Yeah, hustle in the house. Yeah, hustle in the house. What is going on? I'm Rob Faye. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Sports Bar Radio as we get you to hump day. And yes, Vancouver Canucks falling 3-2 to the Minnesota Wild. It was the home opener and it was a bit of a clunker. Elias Pettersson still looking to find his way. A couple of Vancouver Canucks looking to find their way as well. But again, they get back up on that horse tomorrow as they try to find their first win at home in nearly two calendar years. We'll get into the NHL today. We'll talk a little NFL. We'll talk some CFL. We might even talk some football from the other side of the pond. Get into some Premier League action. And more than anything, we'll make sure that by the time you are finished this podcast, you are the smartest person at the water cooler. All right, let's get to that one story, that one story that rises above everything else. This is going to be a little bit of a somber one, but let me get you to what everybody's talking about today. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. All right, well, there are a couple of low-hanging pieces of fruit that would have been really easy to talk about. I could have told you how bad the Canucks were in a 3-2 loss to the Wild in their first game at home in nearly two calendar years. I could have talked about Game 1 of the World Series, and we will get to all of those things. But when you're talking about the lead You need to talk about the thing that everybody is talking about right now or are going to be talking about in the coming days. Chicago Blackhawks scandal came to a head yesterday when all of a sudden this report comes out and it is a crippling, damning report that basically says that their former video coach Brad Aldrich was not only a dirtbag, but that the organization knew about it and didn't do anything to better the situation. If I take this straight from the report, it says that there were inadequate internal procedures and insufficient and untimely response in the handling of the matters related to former video coach Brad Aldrich's employment with the club and ultimate departure in 2010. So it basically says Brad Aldrich is a dirtbag and that the Chicago Blackhawks didn't do anything with it. This was about two sexual assaults by Aldrich against two former players in 2010 and the club's lack of a response to that incident. So what does the NHL do? Eh, we'll find the Blackhawks $2 million. $2 million. For, again, inadequate internal procedures and insufficient and untimely response to the handling of matters related to their former video coach. That is it. But here's where the NHL tries to save a little face, if you will. That $1 million of that fine money will go to funding local organizations in and around the Chicago community that will provide counseling and training for the support and assistance to survivors of sexual and other forms of abuse, unquote. So let's circle back on the NHL in just a moment, because right now I think the bigger question, beyond the number associated with the punishment, is what do you do with the names associated. Now, Stan Bowman stepped down, obviously, not just as general manager of the Blackhawks, but of the U.S. National Hockey Program, and there are more names that are going to find their way before the firing squad. Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to have a meeting with the NHL next week. They are also going to hear from Joe Quenville next week, who has actually come out after this report and is sticking to his guns. 
I think when you have an investigation that interviews nearly 140 people, both past and current players, right through to executives, coaches, and other team employees, they had over 100 gigabytes of data, 49 boxes of hard copy records, and this is the report, you better be absolutely unequivocally sure that your testimony holds up because I can tell you this, they're not coming to you with nothing. If anything, the day of reckoning has arrived. And here's the thing that I've said about many different scandals. If you admit openly, yes, I was wrong, yes, I did this and I should have been better, eventually society usually has a way of coming around on you. But in this moment, if people like Kevin Sheveldayoff or Joe Quenville stand their ground, if they draw their line in the sand and then are proven to be guilty, they're done. And here's the challenge that I have for the NHL. Here's the challenge that I have for the Hockey Hall of Fame and for everybody associated with this scandal. If they were in on it, they need to be erased from the game, or at least erased from that era. So, for example, the Chicago Blackhawks have a bunch of names on the Stanley Cup from when they were the best team in the NHL, and guess whose name is amongst those on Lord Stanley? You got it. Brad Ulrich, Joel Quenville, and others. If the NHL had any balls and they came forward and said that this was a scandal that rocked their community, that rocked their brand, that actually took a chink out of the armor of the shield, they need to go beyond the $2 million. They need to make it personal. The same way that that video coordinator infringed on those personal spaces of those two hockey players, the NHL needs to infringe on the personal space of their good name. I would wipe that Stanley Cup clean of any name, of any player, any coaching staff, any executive that had any connection to this. And if you got a bunch of blank spaces on the Stanley Cup, well, so be it. It's just an added reminder of how brutal that situation was. You're going to fine a billion-dollar organization $2 million? Like, that's a drop in the bucket. And I'm not going to say that Luongo's recapture is more or all the other numbers that you could throw out there just to show how minimal this penalty actually is. But this won't be the only money coming out of the Chicago Blackhawks coffers. Now that the NHL has fined them and found cause, you bet your ass there's going to be civil lawsuits that will likely lead to awarding these victims millions and millions of dollars. And the worst part? It's not over. Because there are names that are still out there. Certain players like Duncan Keith going in front of the cameras and the microphone in Edmonton yesterday saying, listen, I didn't know anything about this. I wasn't even interviewed. Well, maybe so. But there were plenty around you who did know. And there were plenty of players that were interviewed. And plenty of executives that have come forward and stated their case. But here, at the end of the day, is the problem. When this came to the light, the ownership the executive, the management, yes, they are all in the same boat, shoved it back into the closet. They didn't want it to come out when it did because this was a team that was vying for a Stanley Cup. They were in their prime. If you remember, and Vancouver knows this all too well, there was way too much at stake during that generation. Taves, Kane, Keith. I mean, that was the best team in the National Hockey League. That was a team that was setting up for a dynasty. So, of course, they don't want sexual allegations to rock that brand. Not at a time where they're riding high. So, of course, they shoved it back in the closet. But how they did it is what is despicable. The fact that they met about this, the fact that the powers that be sat across from each other at tables, it's all in the report, you can read it if you got a little bit of time, and decided, made a conscious effort to say we are not going to acknowledge this publicly, is absolutely shameful. 
You want to talk about things that will show that you're progressing? This, if anything, is just another chapter in how far behind hockey is culturally from all the other major sports. We're talking about sexual misconduct and the Blackhawks' inability to act on it. Getting rid of Brad Ulrich doesn't solve the problem. Because once that has gone up the food chain and they have chosen not to identify it or not to acknowledge it or not to act on it, they are now culpable. They are now a part and an extension of the problem. I think back to Penn State, Jerry Sandusky and all the things that he did with those kids. It led to the early retirement of Joe Paterno. It led to a severe punishment of Penn State University. And what is the NHL going to do? Eh, two million bucks. Two million bucks to a billionaire owner. And guess what? The Blackhawks, they're on the ice tonight, taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs like nothing happened. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to be like, well, Rob, that was 11 years ago. Listen, sometimes when a crime is committed, it takes a while to finally get the guy behind bars. But you do finally get to put the guy behind bars. And if the only thing that the NHL is going to do is slap a $2 million fine on the Chicago Blackhawks for what they did, if I'm a fan, I take matters into my own hands. I don't attend games. I don't follow this team. If anything, I distance myself from this brand as far as I can because obviously they don't give a shit about their community. They didn't give a shit about those two players that came to the forefront and said, hey, we've got something going on and we need help. We need help. All right, let's get to the rest of the news today. I'd love to hear from you on this. Hit me up at Rob Fay, R-O-B, F is in Frank, A-I. Let me know if the NHL, I mean, I think this is pretty fair to say that they've, to this point, dropped the ball. But will the axe fall on more names, or are we done? Has Stan Bowman essentially taken the fall for what has happened here because he was a part of the conversation back then? Or is this just the beginning of a much bigger bloodletting with everybody associated with the 2010 Blackhawks? All right, let's get to the rest of the news of the day. There's so many things going on. Again, Major League Baseball off in their World Series right now. Got to talk about the Vancouver Canucks and how they could not match the energy of the aforementioned home crowd that for the first time in nearly two calendar years was back at Rogers Arena screaming their lungs out. And we'll also get to the association. Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors about to get reacquainted again after an injury's kept him on the sidelines for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we got a lot to get to. So let me get you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. All right, so we're not going to make this whole podcast feeling down and depressed. We're going to let you know there's a handful of games tonight in the NHL. Some of them probably either underway or maybe even already done by the time that you listen to this. But I had one question for you. The Toronto-Chicago game. I know, I'm not going to talk about Chicago, but imagine that game being in Chicago in the wake of everything that you've heard over the last 24 to 48 hours. Imagine uh, just that heavy cloud that is hanging over that game tonight between Toronto and Chicago, who is still looking for their first win of the season. Vegas Golden Knights in Dallas, Detroit in Washington, where Alexander Ovechkin continues to try and track down Wayne Gretzky's record one after the other, and Edmonton undefeated, getting ready to take on Philadelphia. That one is at 7 o'clock Pacific. Uh, Edmonton is yet to lose this 2021 season. 
Hard to believe I'm almost 10 minutes into the show and I haven't even touched on Game 1 of the World Series where the Houston Astros fall to the Atlanta Braves. And boy, they lost this one early. It was a 6-2 final, but the Atlanta Braves with five runs of their first three innings. They score one more in the eighth to distance themselves from Houston. And I think there's a lot of people right now in light of what is going on with the Astros that are hoping that the Braves win this series. Now, who came to play last night? Jorge Solar with his first home run of the World Series and the bullpen for the Atlanta Braves. And this could be a factor as this series goes on. The starter, Charlie Morton, fractures his right fibula on a comebacker. And boy, did they stretch the Braves' bullpen and it will probably test them the rest of the way. Uh, Braves manager Brian Snicker saying, losing key components to our club, I mean, really key components. We're going to continue. It's not going to be an excuse or anything else. We're going to go out and try to win games. Now, the injury to Morton came in the third inning when the Braves had already put up five runs in this game and were able to go on to the Game 1 victory. No rest for the wicket. Game 2 going tonight from Minute Maid Park in Houston. Well, 10 games in the National Basketball Association tonight, including the Pacers taking on the Toronto Raptors. Raptors have started 1-3 this season. Indiana also 1-3 to start their campaign. Los Angeles Lakers at 2-2 two two, taking on the winless Oklahoma City Thunder. And Charlotte off to one of their best starts in the past 10 years. 3-1 Hornets going to take on the Orlando Magic, who is at 1-3. Well, back really quickly to the Toronto Raptors. They are getting some good news, despite the fact that their offense has started off brutal. It looks as if Pascal Siakam will be back within the next couple of days to join that Raptors offense. They have been really struggling around the basket. They rank 28th in the league in field goal efficiency from that close distance, better than only the New Orleans Pelicans and the Atlanta Hawks, those guys shooting 52 and 50% respectively. The Raptors have been getting good stuff out of Scotty Barnes, and with the return eventually of Pascal Siakam, not for tonight's game, but eventually, it should free up Barnes to do a little more attacking to the rim and hopefully get those numbers going in the right direction. Again, Raptors at home tonight to the Pacers. And boy, there is one quarterback I did not see falling as much as he has, but Patrick Mahomes. The 10th best quarterback in the NFL, according to the power rankings. The best quarterback? I'll give you a second to think about this. It's Dak Prescott who's got 1,800-plus yards already, 16 touchdowns against just four interceptions. But as good as he's been, he's going to get tested over the next couple of weeks. The Saints and Cardinals will be challenging, but they've also got games against the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Falcons, the Eagles, and a couple against Washington. And there is early talk that Dak Prescott is in the conversation for the MVP of the league. Right behind him, Kyler Murray, who in seven games has eclipsed the 2,000-yard mark. He's got 17 touchdowns and five picks. Tom Brady throwing more than 2,200 yards. He's got 21 touchdowns this year and three interceptions. And get this, his 22nd year in the league. It is still amazing to me. And, uh, of course, just the other day, Tom Brady passing the 600th touchdown of his illustrious career. Sticking with football, Raiders owner Mark Davis coming out with his displeasure today on the timing of when he learned of John Gruden's emails, which of course led to Gruden's resignation as head coach back on October the 11th, saying that the NFL, quote, may have known about Gruden's emails, quote, months beforehand. It's a timing issue, and I think that's some of the things that Davis had trouble with. He says, well, the fact that they may have known about it a couple of months beforehand and didn't let us know about it, we weren't informed until I guess it was Thursday, which was October the 7th, and we heard it from the Wall Street Journal initially. It was a rumor. They wouldn't give us the email at the time. At least the Wall Street Journal wouldn't. We spoke to the league later on that afternoon, and by Friday, 
they only then started to give us all the information, unquote. Gruden resigned as head coach following that publication in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times that basically summarized him as a racist, a homophobic, and used misogynistic terms dating back to as early as 2010. Davis did say, quote, I've never seen John exhibit any of those things in practice with the Raiders. He's no longer the coach of the Raiders. It's something that had to be done. It didn't represent what the Raiders stood for. Davis also declined to comment on anything going against Washington's football team and their owner, Daniel Snyder, but he did indicate that he would be in favor of seeing a written report. 7-0 Arizona Cardinals going to be in tough as they get ready to take on the Green Bay Packers, and it's going to be a little bit tougher as they now don't have defensive end J.J. Watt for Thursday night's game. Shoulder injury prevented him from participating in their practice, and they designated him earlier today as out. They have put him on the injury list. He will miss one of the biggest games of the NFL season. Again, the Cardinals 7-0 playing host to a 6-1 Packers team that has not lost since week one. A couple of names, if you've got him in the fantasy pool, that have been listed as questionable, including receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who is still battling a hamstring strain. And even though the Jets picked up Joe Flacco the other day, their head coach Robert Saleh saying today that it will be Mike White who will get the start against the Bengals on Sunday. Well, at one point, it was considered to be one of the most coveted jobs in all of professional baseball. The New York Mets looking for a new head of baseball operations, and they have yet hit another dead end. Mets have been turned down by a couple of high-profile names already, and now will not get the services of Milwaukee Brewers general manager Matt Arnold, who has withdrawn his name from consideration. This one coming from MLB.com's Adam McAlvey. Some suggested that Arnold had been New York's leading candidate, and that they had been waiting for the Brewers to give them permission to speak to Arnold about that role. Teams don't usually stand in the way of employees having the opportunity when things get better, when it's an opportunity for a promotion, and no word has come as to why Arnold has officially taken his name out of the running. Reports had come out that the New York Mets had missed out on three targets. The Brewers denied the Mets' permission to interview President of Baseball Ops David Stearns, and both the Oakland A's Vice President of Baseball Ops Billy Bean and Chicago Cub Boston Red Sox Executive Theo Epstein also withdrew their name from consideration. Isn't that something, that the penny-pinching Oakland A's are a better option for Billy Bean than working under Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, who's got an embarrassment of riches and a job in the waiting? Well, both the AP poll and the coaches poll coming out in U.S. college football. Georgia remaining at number one. Cincinnati at two. Let's focus on the AP poll here. Cincinnati at two. Alabama up one to number three. And Oklahoma dropping one to number four. Teams on the outside looking in, but boy, are they knocking on it. Ohio State at five. Michigan at six. And Oregon up three spots. They go from ten to number seven. A couple of big games coming up on Saturday. Number 6 Michigan getting ready to take on Michigan State. That one in East Lansing. So this is a big opportunity for Michigan State to stymie any potential hope that the Wolverines have of making it to the national championship. Cincinnati should hammer Tulane. But one that everybody is looking at. Number 1 Georgia going into the swamp getting ready to take on Florida. That is the nationally televised game at 1230 Pacific. That one from Florida. And if you know the history between these two teams. Despite the fact Georgia is the number one team of the country and Florida is unranked, that should be a slobber knocker for sure. Oregon at home to Colorado. Well, if you're having a tough time following the PGA Tour, you are not alone. It is the third straight week that they are in a different country. Started in Las Vegas two weeks ago, went over to Japan, and now they find themselves getting ready for a tournament in Bermuda. As the championship set to start tomorrow from Southampton Parish, 
Six and a half million dollar purse, and they've got two of the top six favorites for the event, Mito Pereira and Hayden Buckley, looking to make a little late season money, as is Canadian Adam Hadwin. UFC 267 getting ready this weekend to put on a show over in Abu Dhabi with Jan Blakowicz making his second defense of his light heavyweight championship against 41-year-old Glover Teixeira in the main event. As well, an interim championship fight between Bantamweight champion Peter Jan and contender Corey Sandhagen, Dan Hooker, and Islam Makachev also on the card. And news from the Premier League, Newcastle's takeover complete Alan Shearer saying that patience is key with these new Saudi owners, saying that, quote, it's going to take a long time. Now, Newcastle near the bottom of the table in the Premier League, looking at a possible relegation, but already looking for their next manager, and it is rumored that it could be Paulo Fonseca, who is the leaning candidate, and yes, understanding the gravity of the potential situation is key for whoever comes in. This one coming from Shearer, quote, Newcastle are in a huge relegation battle. They're in the bottom three. They haven't won all season, but whoever comes in, they will realize the size of the club, the expectations in terms of getting players to fight, to scrap, to work, and play on the front foot to get victories and somehow drag Newcastle out of the bottom three. Must be tough for a new owner to come in and all of a sudden see his team with a potential relegation standing right in front of them. New ownership for the BC Lions, by the way, to get onto football on this side of the continent as they get ready for their next game against the Toronto Argonauts. Amar Doman, the new owner of the BC Lions, looking to have that winning feeling for the first time since his ownership group has taken over. BC and Toronto just one of four games on the Week 13 docket. Calgary taking on Ottawa. Hamilton's going to travel to Edmonton. That's a key game for both of those teams. Saskatchewan looking to keep on their winning ways, getting ready to take on the Montreal Alouettes, who handed the Argonauts a lopsided loss just a couple of days ago. Winnipeg and their 10-1 record enjoying the bye week. All right, let's wrap things up. A very abbreviated Sports Bar Radio for your Wednesday listening. I hope this found you well. Uh, my thanks to everybody over at Equity Guru. My thanks to Chris Perry, the founder of Equity Guru. My thanks to Asan, to Galen, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until you and I do this again, I'm Rob Faye. Have yourself a fantastic afternoon. You've been listening to Sports Bar Radio, brought to you by Equity Guru. I'll catch you in a couple of hours.